there's over 60 billion messages sent out on digital platforms each day. You're no longer just competing against your direct competition. You're competing against every piece of content. So like it or not, you're competing against The Rock. You're competing against Netflix. You're competing against Kim Kardashian. So how can you interrupt that pattern of the endless scrolling to get somebody to stop and pay attention to what you have to say? Because if you can't, you'll never get to the other part of the conversation. You're listening to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, the podcast for coaches, thought leaders, and change makers who are ready to become the standout expert. If that's you, stay tuned because you're in the right place. I'm your host, Samantha Riley, and I want to help you build a successful business sharing your expertise, generate the impact and income you need to create your ideal lifestyle. It's time to make a difference and scale up. Are you ready? Let's enter the lab. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, Brendan. It's so great to have you here joining me today. Yeah, it's my pleasure. It's, it's great to connect with you and all the listeners out there. Super looking forward to chatting to you today because a lot of the things that I know that are going to come up and that, that you and I talked about uh, before we even started recording are things that I think are really, really important for people to know that are especially in especially professional services, you know, coaches and consultants, because essentially we are our brand. So a lot of what you talk about is, is really important to know. But before we get into that, I'd love you to share a little bit about what it is that you do currently. Um, and then I'd like to dive in a little bit into about how you got here. Yeah. It's, uh, so what I do today is I essentially help brands, whether it's personal or corporate or celebrity, uh, really stand out in a, in a very crowded market, whatever market that they are in, so that they can achieve their goals at the highest level in the quickest way possible. So you could kind of liken it to a growth strategist. I look at really the, the holistic picture of a business uh, or a brand. Uh, again, it can be a personal brand. And I look at their goals that they're trying to achieve and, and also the challenges they face to overcome it. And typically, the biggest challenge is not really their content. It's not their message. It's it's not their product or service. It's really how do they stand out, capture the attention so people actually listen to what they have to say at scale. That is super interesting. People may not have even heard a couple of those little nuances that, that were in there because like you say, most of us understand what our message is, but how do we actually stand out? And I think that that's really what I definitely want to dive into today because I know that you wrote a book, uh, your first book. Actually, was it your first book, One Million Followers? Yeah, that was the first one. That's the first book. And, and I think that it's great to think, wow, I'd love to have a million followers. And it's something, it's a question that I get all the time. How do I, how do I get more followers? But I think that's the wrong question. What is your take on what, on what I've just said and is there a better question that you think there should be? Well, I think you're, you're spot on in that. And we were talking before the podcast started is, listen, I could give you a million followers tomorrow, but if you can't capture attention, people are going to scroll past your content in the feed. They're not going to stop. And then the algorithms are going to suppress your content and give that position to other content that people do stop and watch and consume. So that's why oftentimes, still to this day, uh, people come to me for from the 1 Million Followers book because we're still selling, we actually sell more books today at 1 Million Followers than when we first launched. Wow. So, so really, there's so many people that come to me and what I always say is, 
first start with uh, the hook point book and we, we also have a, a master class on it because you have to master the art of grabbing attention is as, as you're pointing out uh, so eloquently is like you could have the best message you could have the best purpose you could have the best product or service in the world but if people don't stop and and you don't win that attention that first three to five seconds you'll never get to that part of the conversation so we really say uh, and what we teach and help people with is to get people to stop in that free first three to five seconds so you can win the next part of the conversation so again to recap for your question is should be people be focused on followers not until they have mastered the art of gaining attention and what you'll find is once you master it the followers will come the engagement will come the views will come Mm. let's talk about the kind of content though because I think that and you did touch on this in your book in that there are there are um you know the buzz sprout and the the likes I can't think of any of them off the top of my head but you know the people that are putting out these um super catchy videos that are super viral as personal brands is that what we want to be going after because we've just said that, yes, we should be looking at engagement. Yes, we should be looking at followers. But where do we find that fine line between just going for any engagement and making sure that we're creating a brand that is on topic with what it is that we do? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Another great question. So first off, when we work with people, we don't change who they are. We don't change the message. We change the way that they contextually represent that to capture attention. Uh, So when I talk about the concept of a hook point and grabbing attention, there's really three core pillars to it. So the first pillar is grabbing that attention, getting people to stop in that first three to five seconds. Then the second part of the pillar is, what is the story that you're gonna tell now that you've got them to stop? Because it's not just about grabbing attention, you, you then need to retain that attention. Otherwise, it doesn't really do anything for you. And the third and final pillar is, are you delivering it authentically? Do people believe and trust in what you're saying? And all three of those pillars have to play together because if you don't grab attention, you'll never get to the story. If you grab attention and your story is not any good, then you lose that attention. If you grab the attention and your story is awesome, but people don't believe it, then it falls flat. So when we work with people and, and talk about grabbing attention, we're not talking about clickbait. We're not talking about misleading people because that's ultimately not going to support your brand. In addition to what you're saying is it needs to be on brand. It needs to be on messages. You're not trying to game the system for the sake of gaming the system because ultimately that'll eat, either lead to the trust and credibility not being there or it just doesn't lead to the key KPI of your business, whatever that may be, whether it's a lead, a sale, a follow at the end of the day. Mm. Let's talk about authentic because I think that that's a, it's almost a buzzword at the moment. Everyone's using it. I feel that it's almost lost its potency and people are starting to not really understand even what authentic is or using it in different ways. And I think that a lot of people, when they're putting their content together, they're so logically thinking about how do I come across that they're sort of missing that authentic piece. What are some tips that you can give around really creating good, authentic content? Like what what does it look like? What does it feel like? What are some tips that people could use to tap into that a little more? Well, I think at a 
very basic level, do you believe what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Like, are, are you saying something that whether maybe it's an ad, maybe it's an organic piece of content, but are you saying it because you personally believe in it? You believe that it's going to drive value for the other person on the other side of the screen that, and that value can repre- be represented in many different ways. It, maybe it just makes them laugh. Maybe it pulls their heartstrings and makes them cry, or maybe it inspires them to take certain action. Like when we talk about value, value can be represented in many different ways, but at its core, is like, do I, do I firmly believe in this? Do I feel good about this message? And do, do I feel that this is going to help people? And that's typically where that authenticity just comes out. Where, where it seems to fail is uh, one of two ways is, is either you don't believe in it and you're try, just trying to sell something to somebody mm-hmm. or just trying to convince them to do something uh, or you go too quickly to the sale. Like you're just where a lot of people uh, go wrong just in content in general outside of authenticity is they are, when they're designing content, they're designing it for themselves. Mm -hmm. They're designing for how they perceive the world instead of really putting their shoes into the larger population to the people on the other side of the screen is what is it that they want? What are their biggest pain points? What keeps them up at night? How is this piece of content going to change this person's life? Or how is this piece of content just going to put a smile on their face? And I, and I find oftentimes when you put yourself in the other person's shoes, then you can really communicate effectively with them. So we use a, a communication framework in uh, our agency that really identifies that because most people don't uh, realize that, that a lot of the population out there don't perceive the world in the same way that you do. Mm. So for example, uh, there's a big percentage of the population that, that perceives the world through thoughts and logic. Mm-hmm. So like data and facts are, are really important to them. There's other people, another big percentage of the population sees, uh, sees the world through feelings and emotion. It's not about the thoughts and logic. It's how does this make me feel? Mm. Then there's another uh, percentage of the population that reacts to things. They, they perceive the world through humor. And is it fun? Is it exciting? And then there's other people. It's, do I believe in this? Do I trust it? They're, they're all about values and opinions. Uh, so those are just a few of them. That So like if I'm creating content and I perceive the world through thoughts and logic, I can't just speak data and facts uh, about what I'm talking about because then I'm going to alienate the person that it's about how it makes them feel mm. or I'm going to alienate the person that uh, is all about fun and excitement or I'm going to alienate the person that wants to just hear my beliefs about something or my opinions. So that's another way that we see people fall short either when we talk about authenticity or just in general is understanding that, you know, there's different people from different backgrounds from different parts of the world and, and we perceive the world differently. So we want to make sure that we're communicating and contextualizing our message in such a way that the widest audience can actually receive it. Mm. Because like we could be talking about the same thing. Let, let's just say we're a coach and we're putting on a retreat and uh, I'm creating an ad for that. And all I focus on is, is, is data and logic. This is going to be the best retreat because 85% of the people leaving it from it have success or you know, focusing on the data of the principles we teach in it versus the person that, 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 perceives the world through feelings and emotions, they don't care about the data and facts. They want to know how is this going to make me feel? So I may broaden it out by saying this retreat is, is world-class because 85% of the people that attend it achieve this. And our principles have been studied for, for over 40 years. 
And when you leave this retreat, you are going to feel so amazing. You're going to feel so good about it. And I believe that this is the right fit for you. And it's just going to be absolutely awesome. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be fun. It's going to be off the chains. So you see how I did that? I kind of like diversified the same thing with different language to make sure that each person can hear what I have to say. I love that because when you were first explaining that, what was going through my head is how do you create content that is authentic to you but still make sure that your message reaches all of those different people? For example, I'm not, I can be logical but I don't use a lot of statistics and logic. I'm definitely a more feeling-based person. So I was thinking, how would I create those different pieces of content? But what you've said is that we're not creating different pieces of content. We're making sure that all of those pieces are in that one piece of content that speaks to the different people. There, it is still authentic to us in delivering that. 100%. We're not changing who we are. We're not changing our product, our service. And even for you that perceives the world through feelings and emotions, you don't have to go on a long-winded rant on data, data and logic or values and opinions or fun. You just intertwine bits and pieces of it. And then what happens is, so your feelings and emotion, but if you start, and I'm my base is thoughts and logic. So mm. if you start with some thoughts and logic and then go to feelings and emotion, I can connect with you. Mm. It's just, it's kind of like almost giving them a little bit of what they need so that they can receive the rest of the information. Mm, I love that. It's like leaving the breadcrumbs so that everyone ends yeah. up in the same place. Love that. Now, you, I'd love to tap into a little bit of your story of where you've come from and how you got here because I think that this will be so beneficial for our listeners to hear because a lot of what I a lot of people say to me I have so many skills in so many different areas I don't know which piece to focus on and I'd love you to share what you've done and and share how you haven't focused on it how you've brought it together yeah so for me my journey I started off wanting to be a movie producer mm -hmm. uh, so I went to film school to study the business side of film and then I quickly realized they don't teach you anything about business <laughs> in film school so I figured the best way to really learn about business is start your own. Uh, so at the time, and it still holds true today, the most cost-efficient way to create a business is online. So I started a few internet companies uh, to, to really just learn and experiment. And then when I moved to LA to pursue a career in film uh, back in 2005, it's when the entertainment industry started to reawaken to digital after the dot-com bust. And as you've seen in my, my book, Hook Point, like, I'm always searching for what is the best way that I can stand out? What is the best way that I can differentiate myself and provide unique value? And what I noticed quickly is there were tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people moving to LA every year to pursue a career in film on the producing and business side. So I just quickly saw that that wasn't a unique part. Like that wasn't going to help me stand out. And I started off as an assistant making coffee and copies like anybody else at the bottom. And I just started hearing uh, producers and directors and screenwriters talk about their movies. And it's kind of an interesting thing is once a movie's done, all of a sudden there's kind of this anxious panic around it. Oh my God, we just spent all this money producing this thing. Now we got, how do we got to figure out how to get people to show up at the box office? Uh, so there was starting to, I would hear questions about digital and like social media was just coming on, on the scene and technology platforms. How do we leverage that to effectively promote our movies? So I saw that as an opportunity because I had experience uh, creating internet companies in college. So 
I had the fundamentals of how these platforms work, how technology can be leveraged to spread messages, how social media was starting to emerge. Uh, so that's how I got my foot in the door and went from being a PA making coffee and copies to starting a digital division for the studio because I expressed that unique value. And then as I got further and further into it, I just realized that the, the movie studios were just another corporation. People think it's this really sexy and creative venture, but it's another business. It's a corporate entity. And I, that just kind of turned me off to it. it wasn't as interesting as like digital and social media because I saw the growth that was having and thus I just started focusing there. But even with that journey, you know, I started building tech platforms and licensing them back to big media companies like I built platforms for NTV and Viacom and Vice and Yahoo and Paramount. And I thought I was going to be this tech entrepreneur or CEO and I just realized through that process of having some, some big wins and big failures that that's not really where I was cut out to be. So then I started moving more into the advisory role and advising companies on their growth tactics and strategies. And, and that's where I kind of really found my way of, of what I was really best at and, and world-class at and how I could really have a meaningful impact in the world. Mm. Did you have go through a process or or coming off the back of that, can you see that there was a process for figuring out what you were world cl- not only world class at, but what other people wanted most from you? Or was that yeah, more just yeah, an organic? I think that it was, I, I don't know that it was organic because it took me a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it took me like 10, 10 years to figure it out. And I'm not suggesting that for every person it's going to take yet 10 years, but I'm so much an experiential person. Mm-hmm. Like I have to experience it to understand whether I like it, whether I'm good at it or getting good at it. So I just did a lot of trial and error of, of testing things. And, but if I, if I look back on my journey, there were definitely signs along the way that could have gotten me to where I was at much faster than I probably, well, I did ignore. It's almost like the alchemist. If, you, mm-hmm. if you've read that book of that journey where he ignores the signs in the beginning, but then mm-hmm. eventually gives into it. And there was definitely uh, signs along the way. I just didn't realize what I was doing. I didn't realize what I was best at because at the time, and it still holds true today, I don't fully appreciate kind of the success I've had. And looking back on it, people are like, holy cow, how did how have you done all these things in the past? Yeah. And at the time, and it's still t- today, I'm just so locked in to my goals. So like when I was working in a movie studio, I built an advertising technology on the side because I was getting bored. And as you do, <laughs> and looking back on it, it's, it was like the first ever influencer marketing platform. It was built off of MySpace at the time because I was fascinated by well, why did News Corp buy you know, uh, MySpace for $580 million? How are they going to monetize it? And I saw the monetization was flawed. So I, I built this technology on the side and then all of a sudden I built this prototype, the president of the studio invested in it. And then we're walking into like Facebook and Yahoo and NTV and Viacom now pitching to license and partner with us on this platform. And we ultimately landed with MTV. And I can remember back that and I was young, I was in a room with like 15 of the top executives at Viacom and MTV pitching this thing. But to me, like, I, was, I wasn't thinking it in that way. 
I was just like so in the zone of, I love this concept. I'm going to build this technology and now I want to partner with somebody on it. So I just kept just, again, this experiential thing of just kept doing it and doing it, doing it without really stopping and analyzing, well, how is it that I just closed this deal with MTV? What is it? How did I close this deal with Vice? Or how did I close this deal with Taylor Swift or these people? I, I wasn't really taking a step back and analyzing it. And I think that possibly I would have gotten to what I'm really best at quicker um, if I did that. But also I don't have any regrets because all those experiences that, that I've had along the way has given me amazing perspective that I can help people in any line of work, any industry, based on all of the experience that I've had in, in multiple facets of digital technology across uh, many different sectors and industries. Mm, I love that story because I think that it re- there's so many people that that will resonate with where they, they're trying to think which, which part do I focus on where really it's the way that the whole lot comes together and and, you know, we can say I've got a story that's not even slightly similar to yours, but in the fact that I have done a lot of things and for a lot of years I was like, wow, I could have sped that through a lot faster by not doing this or this or this. But in actual fact, I would not be where I am today if I didn't do those things. So it's not about regret. It's about understanding now how can I tap into that more and and bring that through and and, you know, really, I guess, add some depth to our brand. Yeah. And I think also for people that are struggling to identify who they are, what they want to be, or how they're unique, like the hook point book is for that. Because mm. I, I think you remember in the, in the book, there's an exercise. I, I have a five-step framework of teaching people how to create hook points. But one of the exercises that is really a good visualization exercise and it's actually not just visualization I recommend people writing it down but imagine the editor of a magazine your favorite magazine calls you up and tells you listen you're going to be on the cover of that magazine you're going to be only person on that you need to give us a headline that's going to represent you or represent your business and it has to be less than a sentence and when doing this exercise I want you to visualize your core audience walking down a busy street with all the honking, the noise, and then they walk past the magazine stand and there's 50 other magazines on that stand. What is that headline that's going to get somebody to stop, pick it up, buy it, and read it? Because that's the world that we live in. That's how difficult it is. Mm. But when doing this exercise, don't just come up with one. Come up with 10, 15, 20 until you're kind of like spent on it and you don't have any more thoughts. Then push yourself farther. Mm. Because that oftentimes best ideas come from that. And then from there, you can look back and be like, what, what is interesting to me? And then you can ask your inner, your, the people that know you best, hey, which one of these really best articulates who I am or what I'm best at? And some, sometimes that may take you a few times doing that exercise. Like as I pointed out in the book, like we have 15 years of experience doing this. So it may take you some time to get good at this. But I, I really like that as a starting point to um, start to conceptualize that. Another step in that five-step framework, even before that exercise, is start keeping tabs on the books that you buy. What is the hook there? 
billboards that capture attention, TV ads, Facebook ads, organic ads, and stop. If, if it's gotten you to buy it or it's gotten you to watch, don't just read it, don't just consume it. Take a step back and be like, what is it about this that really captured my attention? What can I learn from this title or this subtitle or this headline or this meme card? Is there some way that I can learn from this and plug myself into it, plug my words into it, and see if that will resonate with me and if I believe that it's going to resonate with the people that I'm trying to attract into my business or into my life. Mm, totally. I remember um, in the book you were talking about the title of One Million Followers and you used the example of if it was called something else and we've got to really remember that what is it that the uh, our audience or what is it that the people in our world want to hear not just what it is because you could have called that i can't remember the other the other titles but you know when you read them like yeah okay that's that is what it is but it's a bit boring but man everyone wants 1 million followers yeah i mean the 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 title and the experiment was done because it was a hook point it's not like i generated a million followers in 100 countries in 30 days and then like, okay, what do I do with it? I knew I could do it. And then I created the hook, zero to a million followers in 30 days, and I presented it to an agent. I said, uh, if I uh, do this and I turn it into a book, will you sign me and get me a publishing deal? And he's like, yes. And then I also pitched the hook to other people just to make sure that I, I knew it was a good hook, but I still always test it with the people I respect, the people I know. And even before the book came out, I created a, a Facebook ad campaign with me talking about how I generated a million followers in 30 days, and that generated 16,000 applications of people that wanted to work with me. So I knew it. And I, I had a gut instinct, because again, I've been doing this for 15 years. I have a, a pretty good pulse on what a good hook point is or what a good point, hook point isn't. But there is a big difference, and I think that this is really relevant to coaches. There's a big difference to what people want versus what they need. Mm. So for me, with the 1 million followers book, do I talk about follower growth? Yes, I do. But I really focus on what they need. I focus on our mindset. The mindset is one of the most important things. I, I, I focus on the testing that goes in and is required to be successful. Then the content, how you construct content to be successful. And I didn't just reveal my information. I went off and interviewed my friends and partners that are the top growth experts in the world, I think all of us combined in the book represent at least 100 million followers and over 50 billion views. Uh, so I wanted to provide different perspectives of it. But if I went out there and I said the title was The Art of A-B Testing or the art, uh, the art and the Mindset of Testing or The Art and Mindset of uh, Social Media or one of those, it would not nearly work as well. As I use that hook because that's what people want to thus give them what they need. Mm. So sometimes like coaches and I see this and I've worked with like uh, vision and mind Valley um, and other big coaches and, and uh, people in the, the mindsets and uh, the, the, the personal development space. And that's a lot of, of like the success that we've had is to start off with a hook expressing what they're thinking in their head, what they want so we can get them to where they need, what they, what they actually need. Mm. You talked about testing the hook point. 
how important, I actually know the answer to this, so let me think of a different way to say it. We, I know that it's important to be able to, to test that hook point, but what's the importance of going to the right people to test that hook point? Like what can, go, what can happen if we don't go to the right people? Well, if you don't go to the right people, then it could essentially fall flat. Now, one of the things that we really work on with our clients, unless it's it's super hyper-targeted, like mm-hmm. we're going after a $100,000 deal or a multi-million dollar deal off of, the, off of CEOs that work for Fortune 100 companies. Mm-hmm. Unless it's super hyper-targeted, what we look at is how can we make the hook interesting to the general population mm-hmm. because if you can make the hook interesting to the general population and may they may not be your core audience but if we can bring them in that ultimately will give you more reach it'll give you more exposure it'll lower your cost in the auctions if it's paid it'll give you more organic distribution if it's uh, an organic piece of social content in addition i think it'll be more f- effective with your core audience but like we think that way because we have a tremendous amount of experience and develop these and testing these. We probably tested 250,000 hooks over the past like three years. But uh, again, if you're just starting out, an easy exercise is start talking to people of your core audience. You can test it against core customers or you can test it with other coaches that are friends of yours that target that specific audience and get that feedback. Or you can simply create a Facebook ad and spend like $50 against it and see if it, if it resonates mm. with the audience that you're targeting. Um, but again, when we, when we work with clients and what we advise is, is don't just rely on one hook. It's constantly of um, creating new hooks and evolving hooks. So I'll give you an example of, of a company that failed to do that and also a, com- uh, a company that has succeeded with it. Is mm, perfect. Tom Shoes. Tom Shoes. Uh, the one-for-one campaign. Amazing. Amazing hook. However, it was such a good hook that all the competition started to use that same one-for-one and thus – it diluted the value of the one-for-one message. So Tom's was so tied to that and so ingrained with it that they weren't constantly evolving their hooks to attract people to to their brand. So now they're suffering and not as unique because they didn't take that time to constantly reinvent. Let's talk about somebody that that is a – amazing at hooks and and they're one of the most successful company if not the most successful company in the world amazon mm-hmm. they're a master creating hooks so they, their first hook was the world's largest bookstore mm-hmm. then it became the everything store and then it became the one sh- one click checkout then it became two-day shipping then they created amazon prime and then they started creating their content then you know now they're talking they have one day delivery here in the united states then they're talking about like drone delivery and they acquire companies like Twitch. They have so many hooks that are driving into their brand. Another one, Disney, is why did they acquire Pixar? Why did they acquire Marvel? Why did they acquire Star Wars? Because now they have that intellectual property and all of those characters and intellectual property, people think they're doing it to make more box office revenue, which they do, but that's not their primary revenue stream. Mm-hmm. Their primary revenue stream is driving people to the theme parks, to getting them to buy toys, getting them to buy merchandise. So now 
their ecosystem includes Iron Man, it includes Captain America, it includes all the Pixar characters, it, it includes uh, Luke Skywalker and uh, all of the Star Wars characters. So even Disney and Amazon at the largest levels are always looking at what is my next hook? What is my next way to get people indoctrinated into my brand and keep staying with my brand? Mm, great case studies. Also, both of them are quite products driven. For coaches, can you give us a case study that is more around someone that has purely just a service-based business? What are some different, um, what's a, a case study that you've seen that's worked really well with someone that's in, you know, in the coaching industry or in that professional services industry? Uh, well, there's Calm and Headspace, the meditation apps, have mm -hmm. done a great job uh, in terms of their hooks. You'll see, and I'm not sure which of the two, mo some of them may be doing both, but what they'll do is they have like a, a, a celebrity, not like a big celebrity. I remember there's like a guy from like Game of Thrones that has a really calming voice that will tell you a bedtime story. Uh, in addition to they have great ads. I would we do this all the time is dive into the Facebook ad library and look at Calm or Headspace or even look at your competitors to, to drive that in uh, from a hook perspective. Uh, there's another one that's not really a coach, but he's a doctor. Um, he's named, his name is Dr. Mike, uh, and he's quickly become one of the top doctors in the world because he does an amazing job of creating hooks, of com um, combining his insight with pop culture. So his two most vi viral videos with over 20 million views each is Real Doctor Reacts to Grey's Anatomy. Real uh -huh. Doctor Reacts to the Good Doctor. So what he's doing, he's using his insight as a hook mm -hmm. to bring people in. And he's not saying his name, Dr. Mike, reacts to yeah. you know, popular TV show. He's just saying Real Doctor Reacts to this. So he's using his insight as a way to tie people in to their brand, into their, um, uh, into their content, into their services. Mm, love that. I haven't seen that. That sounds fun. I might go look that up. Yeah, you should check it out. There's another guy. He's not in that space, but he comes to mind. There's a guy here in the United States called Ryan Sir Sirhant, and he's one of the top real estate guys. And what he did so brilliantly, he was on a, a TV show here in the US, but he built a huge social presence. And what he did is his most viral videos is he'll go tour a $100 million home. Mm -hmm. And that brings in, again, this is the perfect example of what I was saying earlier. He creates a video for the general audience. Mm -hmm. It's like, who wouldn't want to see what a $100 million home looks like? That's cool. That's interesting. But the fascinating thing is that hook also, like, I think the, those videos got millions of views. Let's just say it's 10 million views. And I don't know if that's the exact number. But those 10 million views, 99.999% of those people cannot afford a $100 million uh -huh. home. Uh -huh. But the crazy thing is he sold homes, huge homes, multi-million dollar homes based off those YouTube videos. So he's doing two at the same time. He's building a huge brand with this hook. But even within that, he's finding his core audience that can actually afford it. So mm -hmm. that's kind of what I say is when you're like, he has a very target audience. Mm -hmm. Like he's going after the ultra, ultra rich, but at the same time, he's built an amazing brand for himself and he still reaches the ultra rich, but he has this huge brand that he's using by going off of these hooks for a more general audience. That actually is very, very cool because we need to be seen to be noticed 
and he hasn't gone for the super ultra targeted and focused route. He's gone for the the broader route um, and been entertaining, which I think is really, really clever and in, you know, but has attracted exactly who he wants to work with as well just by being out there in such a large way because really, you know, right at the beginning of this if this um, episode you talked about these five fifty thousand 50,000 people on the side of the road and there's, there's cars honking. We need to be able to stand out. We need to be top of mind and our brains are moving so fast. How are we going to be top of mind when the time is right? 100% and that's the whole premise of the book and why I spent two years putting it together because I, I in the world that we live in today there's over 60 billion messages sent out on digital platforms each day you're no longer just competing against your direct competition you're competing against every piece of content so like it or not you're competing against the rock you're competing against Netflix you're competing at Kim Kardashian so how can you interrupt that pattern of the endless scrolling to get somebody to stop and pay attention to what you have to say because if you can't You'll never get to the other part of the conversation. You'll, mm. never, you'll never get to your genius. You'll never get to your purpose, your why. Uh, and most people, what they try and do is they try and jam too much information in that first three to five seconds, and it just overwhelms people. Or it feels like a sales pitch, and then they move on. So it, this is the biggest asset that you can really cultivate for yourself. I just came up with another uh, idea to help um, tie in that Ryan Sturhan example mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. personal coaches. So where he tours the $100 million home, let's say you're a mindset coach. So you can go off and interview somebody that's generated $100 million and it could be the $100 million mindset mm-hmm. where then you're breaking down the mindset of somebody very successful. Or you could do that through an interview or maybe you do it on your own. Maybe it's the billion dollar mindset and then you break down a video of Jeff Bezos' mindset of what makes him tick, what makes him successful. And then you can lead into, well, this, and and you can do it subtly, but this is how I work with clients to integrate what Bezos has done or these things that Bezos has done into people's personal life. Mm, Super good. So you're talking about your new book, Hook Point, which I thoroughly recommend. I did do a speed read of it uh, last night and it was it was really great and I'll go back and read it a lot slower because there were so many great points in it. Um, can you tell us a little bit about um, exactly what it is, like really breaking down what we're going to get out of Hook Point and where we can go to get a copy? Yeah, so the whole book is really based on how you can win attention to get people to see your genius, your message, your product or services. Uh, and this is, the book is not just online and social media. We do cover that, um, but it's offline as well. So I break down the principles of how I closed like Taylor Swift or how I closed MTV and, and winning those big deals. And as you know, from reading it, it's not just me. Mm. I went off and interviewed some of my friends that are world-class, like a friend of mine that is the top copywriter in the world that sold over a billion dollars worth of products. He breaks down his strategy and his psychology of selling online and why he's so successful. I have another friend of mine that's one of the top uh, creative directors in the world that's worked with the likes of Nike, uh, and he breaks down his principles. So the book is all about mastering the art of gaining the attention so people can see your true genius. Uh, If people want to check it out, I recommend, uh, and I'll give you the URL, going to masterclass.hookpoint.com because there we have a 
a, a great package where you get uh, a masterclass an hour and a half on this concept uh, and you get the book. If you get the masterclass, then you get the book for free. And then also upon completing the masterclass, you get a free strategy call with, with a member of our team. Love that. I think that the biggest piece you, you mentioned then was that if we don't have attention, essentially, not only are we not working in our genius zone, but we're not creating an impact. And as coaches, that's what we're all here for. Coaches have got such big hearts and we do what we do because we're doing you know, work that we know can that can change people's lives and, and in turn change the world. So if, if we're not being heard, we're not being seen, we can't create the impact that we were here to leave. A hundred percent. And again, the book and everything I talk about is not about changing who you are. It's not about changing your product, your service, your message. It's just how you can contextually shape it and pull out the most genius parts of it that are going to get people to stop and say, wow, I need to check out the rest of this video. I need to check out this book. I need to check out the rest of um, this article or whatever it may be. Love it. Brendan, thank you so much for coming and sharing your zone of genius with us today. And uh, I look forward to going back and reading the book again. And as, uh, as always, you'll find all those links to the masterclass and the book in the show notes. But thank you so much, Brendan. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Yeah, it's been great connecting with you and all the people listening to this. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to the show. Whenever you're ready, here are three ways I can help you. Number one, grab a free copy of the Thought Leaders Positioning Checklist over at samanthariley.global forward slash checklist. Number two, check out my inner circle for coaches, experts, and change makers over at samanthariley.global forward slash inner circle. Or number three, connect with me to discuss how I can work with you on a more personal or a one-on-one level at hello at samanthariley.global. I look forward to hanging out with you here again on Thursday, right here on the Thought Leaders Business Lab.